Well, hello and welcome to H2 Tech Talk, the podcast series from H2 Tech, the new hydrogen technology journal from Gulf Energy Information. I'm Adrienne Bloom, Editor-in-Chief of H2 Tech and your host for H2 Tech Talk. This week, we'll be talking with Karsten Radke, Global, Global Head of Business Development and Sales, Digital Products and Asset Management for ThyssenKrupp Industrial Solutions, Chemical and Process Technologies Business Unit. Before we get started with the discussion, I'd like to remind you to share and subscribe to the H2 Tech Talk podcast for more expert discussions on technology and trends in the hydrogen sector. It's easy to do. Just click the subscribe button on iTunes or Blueberry. So now I'll start by asking Karsten to introduce himself and his role at ThyssenKrupp. Karsten? Thank you very much, Adrian, for uh, the opportunity and for the introductions. Um, my name is Karsten Radke. I'm uh, based in Germany. I um, have spent 28 years with uh, the company that was called Ude in the past and uh, as a matter of fact has just celebrated its 100th birthday on Tuesday of this week. Uh, so um, the, 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 the company name Uda has been uh, now a brand name for 100 years. And um, I spent uh, most of my time in uh, process engineering, um, sales functions. Uh, I ran our gas technologies division for eight years, uh, was then uh, president and CEO of our Uda Corporation of America um, that was then based in Denver, Colorado. And when I returned um, in 2018, I took over the uh, business development function uh, on a global basis with the um, task to cover the entire technology portfolio. And that does include our green technologies as well. Right, interesting. Thanks for the intro and uh, congratulations on the 100th birthday for uh, <laughs> I was not there in the first hour, but thank you. <laughs> so um, you, you just mentioned the, the uh, alluded to the first question I was going to ask you. So Thyssen Group is very active in the green technology segment. Can you elaborate on which green technologies that you're covering? Yes, uh, certainly. Um, so the... Um, well, uh, let me just come back to the 100 years because I, I think that is a good uh, introduction into the green technologies. So um, throughout the, uh, the, the last or the first century of our company, I would say, uh, we had always been addressing uh, environment-friendly solutions because um, the green wave um, that people are now talking about or the green transition um, has always been there, uh, only it has not been uh, put into such a spotlight. But uh, if you just look back also what happened in the United States and in many other countries that goes back to the 1960s and 70s that um, environmental um, concerns were uh, increasing and uh, awareness for creating a greener planet um, is really older than uh, let's say the current um, uh, um, uh, hype of uh, addressing the topic. So um, today um, we therefore, um, really would um, say we have looked at our current portfolio that we have, and we, we, we really differentiate uh, in the green transition uh, between those technologies that have always been there, the core technologies, such as fertilizers and methanol, or even coke oven plants for the steel industry, um, our gas cleaning plants for, um, uh, you know, desulfurization, uh, acid gas removal, um, uh, uh, addressing uh, CO2 removal um, already for many, many decades. 
uh, also clean refineries, clean fuels, uh, auto fuel pro programs have always been there. Uh, so those are the core technologies that we, we always have. And um, we don't want to call them black technologies or dirty technologies because they are not, but they are not um, considered to be green in the modern definitions as we have. So we keep on working on those while we then on top of that have um, two different groups of technologies. One is the enabling technologies where we say, okay, there are technologies that are going into the blue um, approach and uh, there are many other colors as we all know in addressing the transition of um, the fossil fuel utilization into um, the uh, green future. And those enabling technologies are mainly bridge technologies that would be green revamps, for example, or blue revamps, where we go into existing operations and make those projects uh, greener by, for example, sequestrating uh, CO2, but even beyond that, by utilizing CO2 as a feedstock to make further chemical products such as methanol. Um, but also the, um, we, we have technologies that are specifically there to clean the environment, such as our um, NOx, um, N2O, to um, gas removal uh, technology, NVNOx, or um, uh, bio-based polymers, where we go into uh, really, really a circular economy of uh, reutilizing plastics, as an example. Um, and then the real green technologies, and that is why I'm, I had to mention the other two, because they are all building blocks of a clean uh, setup. The real green technologies are now nowadays based on renewable power and would utilize uh, green hydrogen as the uh, main uh, carrier for making green chemicals by way of water electrolysis. So we, we um, of course, always had our ammonia technology and that's why now green ammonia is still utilizing the same um, downstream ammonia synthesis or methanol synthesis or even fuel generation, but um, the hydrogen source going in uh, will now be green and not fossil derived. Uh, and that way you can um, directly enter a very large scale um, uh, applications. There's no development, developmental stage required to offer green ammonia, green methanol or green SNG technologies. Um, another big element I mentioned already is the CO2 capture because that will help to uh, bridge over wherever you do have a uh, carbon uh, requirement um, in, in the feedstock, in the product, you will have to um, make sure that you have a solution for CO2 capture. Mm -hmm. um, another big market that, that I, I would like to mention is the green fuels market, because I think that's underestimated a little bit, um, mm -hmm. because most um, of the current applications are looking into green hydrogen and um, the word in chemical industry is hydrocarbons, and that contains two molecules. Hydrogen is one, and we, I think, all understand that this can be done with electrolysis. Um, but how to get to green carbon to make hydrocarbon complete and to maintain an industry um, is the challenge that we have to overcome. And, and here we have also some solutions. Mm -hmm. So given these different groups of technologies that you're focusing on, what would you say, just kind of looking at it broadly, what does the green transition mean for your company and, and for the wider energy industry as a whole? 
Yeah, so maybe uh, I would like to begin with the purpose of our company. Our, our company purpose is to create a livable planet. And uh, what that means is we, we see currently that um, we as a company uh, uh, want to contribute with what we can do. So on the one hand, we are a technology company. And on the other hand, we are also an engineering EPC company. So we are wearing those two hats, if you want. But that gives us usually a very early stage um, engagement because the technology side is where most project opportunities begin um, in the uh, unfolding of the early stages. And that is where we can then start to influence um, our clients and our markets um, to go into the green route um, and uh, apply our green technology. So that's that's something that we see uh, we can do as our company. And um, the uh, what we do see is um, um, a, a couple of points I would like to address is that um, the transition to green technologies is based on uh, proven technologies that are already out there. And that is a little bit different than many other transitions we have been going through in the past where we first have to go through length, lengthy cycles of building a pilot plant, building a demonstration plant, and then go and find the first commercial application. Uh, a green technologies is really um, a little bit more right, like reconfiguring the upstream part, right. how to get the molecules in green, but downstream is pretty much unchanged. <laughs> I always say the molecule doesn't know where it came from when it enters the next step. So it is really downstream all the same. So that is one thing. The other thing um, that I see is that um, due to the fact that most technologies are the same, um, they are already today ready for blue applications and blue revamps. So, so on the way to go green um, and be independent of fossil fuels, fossil primary energy carriers, um, we can also utilize um, directly what is already available to make these technologies um, blue. And um, I would say that we will see for quite some time a coexistence of gray, blue, green, and, and all other colors that are currently in the market um, mm -hmm. for um, making the products that we need and uh, running the industry as it is. Um, and then, so that was more like, like what, what we as our company do, but when you ask about the wider energy industry as a whole, um, I have observed and many, many others are currently observing that um, we are building bridges between industries that have never worked together before. So we are building cross-sectional um, combinations. The, uh, uh, the power companies that uh, renewable energy um, providers, such as let's say wind farm industry or hydropower companies are suddenly getting deeply engaged in discussions of um, chemical industry um, uh, problems. So now they are not, no longer just selling power to the grid, but they are now an integral part of making chemical products uh, by way of uh, electrolysis um, and combination uh, of other technologies downstream. So suddenly you are combining the power and the chemical industry. At the same time, you are um, seeing that the mobility sector, so the fuel industry, the car industry, even the aviation industry, um, is now uh, dealing with primary energy topics. So they are now talking with wind and solar, biomass, uh, hydro, hydropower companies as well. So that is an unheard of. I mean, that, that you, you, you would find a car 
car manufacturer dealing with hydropower these days is because it's now part of um, the food chain, let's say, for him. And last but not least, we have the other group that is the CO2 emittance uh, versus the CO2 users. Um, the uh, CO2 emittance are more or less the conventional fossil industry, that, like such as steel and cement industry, but they are currently also having a valuable product that uh, so far was considered a waste CO2, but CO2 can be a, a feedstock uh, and can then be having another lifetime um, on, on the planet. And that would be, um, a, 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 let's say, our carbon to chem program as an example, where we utilize CO2 as a feedstock to, for example, make methanol. Mm -hmm. Now you have green methanol where you can um, add CO2 with green hydrogen from water electrolysis and make green methanol. And then from methanol, you can go even to um, gasoline. So you can make um, a completely green uh, fuel um, independent of uh, just uh, the hydrogen uh, route. So that is what, what I would say we currently see in uh, the green transition, um, both within the company, but also in the wider industry context. Mm -hmm. Very fascinating. So I wanted to zero in on specifically the hydrogen production technologies that, that you have. You have technology for um, alkaline water electrolysis and biomass gasification. So can you tell me a little bit about how those processes work and how they are applied in different uh, scenarios? Yes, uh, thank you. And it's exactly the right question regarding the different scenarios, because uh, uh, first of all, both are green technologies. Both are climate neutral. Um, biomass is considered climate neutral, as well as, of course, renewable power-based uh, uh, water electrolysis. So uh, both, both of them actually fulfill uh, the task uh, to, to um, make climate neutral um, uh, contributions. Um, the main difference is that water electrolysis uh, is a carbon-free process chain. That means um, we are using power and uh, we will make hydrogen out of water. Uh, of course, oxygen is a byproduct, but there is no carbon in that. It means we, we are standalone hydrogen manufacturing machine uh, with water electrolysis. Mm -hmm. And um, the biomass route is then a little bit different animal so it starts with biomass, which already is a hydrocarbon. And that means you are carrying those green molecules through the process and make a green syngas. So other than just making hydrogen, the biomass route allows you to make green hydrocarbons. So now you can do the entire same uh, product um, uh, uh, chain that you would be able to do with, uh, for example, natural gas or coal as in the past or oil, because you are now dealing with the same main two um, molecules of hydrocarbons, which is hydrogen and carbon. So mm -hmm. biomass, I would say is a great addition. And this bio T fuel is a gasification based technology that converts biomass um, in a gasifier into clean syngas. And um, main applications for that would be then um, uh, not just the pure hydrogen route, but rather those um, products uh, that require the carbon in there, such as biojet fuel, biodiesel, bio nafta. Mm -hmm. And um, good thing is both technologies are uh, fully 
proven and uh, commercialized through different applications in the past. So water electrolysis in our case is an alkaline water electrolysis that comes from our chloralkali electrolysis with decades of experience. And you know, biomass gasification comes from coal gasification, which has uh, over a hundred years of um, commercial applications worldwide. So both technologies are ready for large scale application um, immediately. Um, but the way you ask the question is also interesting because both of these technologies can also be combined mm -hmm. um, because um, what, what you do is when you make uh, fuel uh, from uh, biomass, you will have a certain um, equilibrium of uh, CO to hydrogen ratio leaving the reactor. So you have a, a syngas that still needs a higher hydrogen content the normal route would be to build a CO shift um, downstream and boost up the hydrogen content, converting carbon monoxide into hydrogen uh, with water. Um, if you use a water electrolysis to boost up the hydrogen content, uh, you can maximize your yield uh, from biomass. So now you can take, um, um, uh, simply put, you, you're concentrating the gasification process on making green carbon monoxide mm -hmm. and make sure that the green hydrogen is added uh, from renewable power through water electrolysis. And with that, you have a much higher uh, fuel output um, for the aviation industry or for the car industry uh, coming from biomass. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So another question that I wanna ask you is kind of branching off from that. Um, how do you see synthetic fuels and energy carriers like hydrogen being used for uh, vehicle fuel, um, you know, including all types of vehicles, aircraft, uh, ships, uh, cars, buses, in comparison to, um, well, for, for uh, passenger vehicles, electric or battery operated um, vehicles in the future? Yes. This is my actually my favorite question, <laughs> or at least my favorite topic currently. Mm -hmm. So um, the simple thought would be uh, if we if we were able um, to utilize the existing fleet of cars, trains, planes, um, machinery, everything that's operated on auto or diesel engines or kerosene uh, combustion engines, mm -hmm. um, without any change, uh, and we would save. Um, um, I would think we are in the trillions uh, range we would save to waste all of those investments and assets and um, still um, using no fossil fuels. If we, if, we, if we were able to do that, then we would have about 1.4 billion cars that are currently globally existing and about 40 million planes that are globally existing um, continue to operate without making fossil fuel emissions. The way to do that is um, to convert, um, rather than to convert the engines into electric drives or hydrogen drives or um, uh, any sort of alternative technologies, uh, we would stay with the same combustion engines, but make the molecules, uh, the fuel that goes into the tank, um, green. Mm -hmm. And uh, the simple an uh, uh, answer to that um, question is it's, it's possible today and, and has been done in the past. And there are two, two main routes to do that. One is this uh, Fischer-Tropsch uh, synthesis, um, where we convert uh, syngas into um, bio-nafta, bio-diesel, bio-jet fuel. 
um, um, or the alternative uh, route uh, to that is the methanol way, where we make um, uh, either biomass or CO2, um, now a feedstock to make methanol combined with green hydrogen uh, to make the same um, products um, via methanol, such as methanol to gasoline. Mm -hmm. So we could, um, in addition to um, the hydrogen uh, and the battery electric drive route, uh, also see that um, a lot of the existing fleet of, of um, engines will remain, uh, but we will make the molecules green. Interesting, okay, thank you. So uh, that's about all the time we have for the podcast today, but I wanna thank you, Karsten, for sharing your insights with the H2 tech audience. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And if you enjoyed this episode, please remember to share and subscribe to the H2 Tech Talk podcast on iTunes or Blueberry. And we'll talk to you mm -hmm. again next week. Thank you very much, Adrian, for the interview.